Welcome to Life Insurance HQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Miracle. I want to welcome you. I want to say happy holidays. Today's January 3rd, 2022. Uh, We're going to discuss a a, a topic that I think is apropos for this time of year. We're going to discuss 2022 life insurance trends and predictions. We're going to talk about some of the things that we've seen over the course of the past year, some of the things that we see coming up in the next year, and different ways for you to view your life insurance coverage and stay in front of things. So first first topic we wanna discuss is is mail. Uh, Over the past couple of years since the pandemic started, we've seen a a huge problem with mail between carriers and policy owners, uh, delayed premiums, uh, premium notices not being received, lapse notices, uh, as well as premiums being sent to carriers, taking some time to uh, be processed and received by the carriers. Uh, it's been a it's been a big problem. We've recommended to a lot of our clients who aren't on some type of auto draft from their bank account, who may make uh, payments on an annual or semi-annual basis or even a quarterly basis, either to uh, do so far enough in advance and mail a check-in, let's say two weeks prior to the due date, or if the carrier offers uh, electronic transfer via a checking account to the carrier uh, with the policy number. We've recommended that to quite a few clients, especially where you know premiums are over $10,000 or more and we wanna make sure it gets there on time. It's especially important for policies that are no lapse guarantee contracts to make sure that those policies uh, aren't put in a position where they can potentially lapse. So that's the first big trend that we see this year is mail's gonna continue to be a problem. It's a combination of carriers not having uh, people working from the office and still working from home, sometimes only checking mailboxes once or twice a week. In addition to that, the U.S. Postal Service has had a tremendous strain. They've changed, they've actually changed some of the ways that they deliver mail in terms of uh, the numbers of days it takes, how long it takes, what it takes to get there. And so mail continues to be a, 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 in our opinion, negative trend moving forward into 2022. So it's important just to stay on top of your policy, work with your advisor to come up with a plan of action to make sure that uh, that continues to happen. The second trend that we're seeing uh, is probably going to be related to uh, some of the carriers and how they treat new business. In 2021, we've saw a few carriers come out and say, you know, there's a maximum annual premium or maximum first year premium that we'll we'll take. Um, Now, for most people, they're largely unaffected by this announcement. Some of the carriers came out and said, we won't take uh, a first year premium greater than $500,000. Some carriers made it a multiple of a certain factor that comes into calculating how much premium goes into the policy. With these carriers, what we're uh, what we're actually starting to see is some of them begin to lift some of those uh, restrictions. Where this plays out the most is for people who have existing permanent life insurance, who are looking at maybe doing a 1035 exchange to a new policy in order to create more benefits or lesser cost from the new coverage where you may be 1035-ing, in our example, more than $500,000, it becomes problematic uh, with certain carriers. And so I think the trend we're going to see is 
that those restrictions or those maximum amounts tend to increase or go away. The other thing that's impacted pretty significantly are uh, premium financing policies where a affluent family may be interested or are wanting to uh, borrow the premium to make a large life insurance premium payment. So those policies have been impacted. We've also seen that in addition to the limits on the premiums, uh, some carriers coming out and saying, hey, we just don't want any premium financing business. So they lost their appetite for a while. We see that starting to come back. Um, there may be some carriers out there that who've taken the, haven't taken that position, who may take that position. But right now what we're seeing is uh, for those larger uh, policies with larger premiums, uh, the carriers, more of the carriers or those carriers who have starting to open up the amount of premium that they'll accept in the first year. We're also seeing again, uh, some of those carriers who made the decision not to accept premium financing business begin to do so. So those are both positives uh, and, and hopefully those are trends that continue throughout 2022 and beyond uh, because it really kind of hurts some of that high net worth marketplace in terms of their options and some of the planning that they can do uh, with coverage that life insurance coverage that they, they may desire and need. Uh, the third trend we're, we're seeing here is, you know, and this has been an ongoing concern is what's going to happen with dividend rates with some of these whole life insurance policies, as well as current crediting rates. Over the past, you know, decade, we've seen these rates drop uh, on a fairly consistent basis on both whole life insurance and current assumption universal life insurance. They're, they're very different policies, but we've seen dividends from some carriers, whole life carriers, where in 2008, they were at 7%. And here in 2021, 22, uh, in fact, we just had a lot of the announcements from a lot of these insurance carriers uh, on their whole life dividends for 2022. Some of the carriers that were at 7% in 2008 uh, are as low as 4.95% today. Now that's going to have a drastic impact on the current side of the illustration. So when, when you applied for policy, a policy uh, ultimately when you purchased, you probably received an illustration and on that illustrations were two set of assumptions. The first being the guaranteed assumptions and the second being the current assumptions. The guaranteed assumptions will remain unimpacted. It's the current assumptions that may uh, perform not as well uh, as, as originally illustrated. And by that, what I mean is you may not have as much death benefit. You may not have as much cash value. If the policy was purchased so that you could at some point receive distributions from the policy in the forms of withdrawals or loans, those, those distributions or those policy distributions are going to be impacted with those policies where we've seen a reduction in uh, dividend rates and current uh, interest rates with some of these universal life policies. And so uh, the other side of this is uh, with current assumption universal life insurance, if you purchased a policy that assumed a crediting rate of, let's say, five and a half percent, however long ago, five, 10 years ago, and today it's at 4.35 or 4% or something lower, then it is possible that that coverage isn't going to last as long as you thought it might when it was originally established. 
And the reason for that is because that assumed interest rate helped determine what the premium would be to maintain that coverage for that period of time. And so those types of policies can be impacted. We recently met with a client who in 2013 uh, purchased a current assumption universal life policy. The crediting rate at that time, I want to say, was around 5.1%. It has since gone down to 4.35%. Now, the impact on the policy is that it was originally projected to last beyond the insured's age 100. Now that that current assumption interest rate has dropped down to 4.35%, based on that same premium, the coverage will only last to age 93. So, you know, the conversation we had is, well, what are your options? And, and, and the easiest option is to increase the annual premium or, or the monthly premium to allow the policy to get back to where it was originally illustrated, age 100, beyond age 100. And, and the earlier you catch that, the less expensive it is. If you're 90 years old and you're just hearing this podcast, the amount of money required to keep that policy until age 100 is going to be significantly more than, say, a 60-year-old uh, who, who's experiencing the same thing. Alternatively, some of the other options that exist or the, the other option that exists is we can lower the death benefit to maintain the same premium. Now, what, what that'll do is it'll get that coverage to last age 100, but obviously we're going to have to give up some death benefit in order to do so. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not an easy thing. It's uh, one of the reasons we're such advocates of doing life insurance policy reviews, at least on a one to no more than three-year basis to make sure that what you have is, is going to be there when you need it most. You know, and, and the other side of this is as rates go down, there are guaranteed crediting rates in these contracts. Over the past decade, we've seen those rates, depending on the carrier, specifically in universal life policies, be somewhere in that two to 3% range. So even though a crediting rate may be at 4.35 today, the insurance carrier still has the ability to lower it. And so we're monitoring a number of carriers uh, to keep an eye on, on what they're doing and the changes they're making because it, it does impact policy owners and it does impact insurance. And in order for the coverage to do what you want it to do, it's important that you don't put it in a drawer and keep it there and just assume it's gonna work the way it was originally illustrated. So again, policy reviews are very important going into 2022. They have been for a number of years, but they continue to be so. Um, and so we're keeping an eye on, on current crediting rates. We're keeping an eye on whole life dividend rates and how those may impact permanent life insurance policies. Uh, we're not seeing and we're not predicting that we're going to see an uptick in whole life uh, dividend rates. Uh, or current crediting rates. Our hopes for 2022 is that these carriers are able to maintain them where they're at. Hopefully at some point in the future, they'll start to go up, um, but we're not holding our breaths at this time. The next trend and prediction that, that we're seeing is uh, you know, index universal life. Uh, index universal life insurance is a relatively new type of product in the life insurance industry. Essentially what it does is the performance of the cash value is tied to the performance of an index. And so the easy example we use is, you know, 
let's say you participate in what's called an S&P 500 one-year point-to-point index. What the carrier is going to do is look at the value of the S&P 500 today. Let's just say it's a thousand, for example, just to keep it very simple. And then they're going to look at the value a year from now. And if the S&P has grown from a thousand to 1200, then that's a 20% return, which is really good, right? Now, most of those most of most of these crediting methods uh, include a cap. So let's assume that index has a 10% cap. Well, even though the index returned 20%, based on the cap of 10%, that the policy cash value is only going to be credited that 10. Now you may say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem fair to me. And you know, to a certain extent, it, it, it isn't. But the other side is. If the S&P 500 went from 1,000 to 800, the insurance carrier, depending on the policy, the carrier and a number of factors, is either going to guarantee a crediting rate of 0% or 1%, again, depending on the carrier and the product. And so while you're giving up something on the top end, you're not risking anything on the downside other than that 0%. And so in years where the S&P 500 performance is is very negative, it's not going to have as big of an impact on the policy uh, as as it would if you were completely exposed to the performance of that index or the underlying index. So what's important to note, though, here is that the carriers do have the ability to change the cap rate, and they can do so up or down. And so what, again, we've seen over the past year or two is several carriers, and it's not just subject, it's not just uh, carrier-based, but also product-based, um, have adjusted the cap rates from maybe 10% to 8.5%. So now, if that index returns 20%, instead of the policy being credited 10, it's only going to get credited at 8.5%. And so... We're keeping an eye on the cap rates. Obviously, that's going to impact impact the performance, similar to dividend rates and crediting rates. If you're not able to achieve what was projected, then again, it's going to impact the policy negatively. It's highly likely that most policies were not um, projected at 8.5% just based on uh, some of the inner workings of how the software and uh, advisors' ability to project crediting rates are. But again, over the long term, it can impact the average rate. So if if you have a policy that was projected at 6%, a 6% average rate, and now you've got a cap of 8.5 and it originally assumed a, a, a cap of 10, well, there's and your average is going to go down over the long run, since when illustrated, it may have had that 10% cap, and right now it has an eight eight and a half percent cap. So it's something that we're keeping an eye on. Again, it goes back to understanding your policy, managing your policy, and you know reviewing your policy again on an annual to biannual to, to three-year basis to make sure there aren't any gotchas or uh-ohs that come into play down the road uh, where you get a lapse notice and you thought the policy was going to carry for another 10, 15 years. And so that's that's another area that we're keeping an eye on. 
Again, similar to crediting rates and whole life dividends, um, we're hopeful that we've seen kind of the worst of those adjustments for the time being. We're hopeful and optimistic that uh, carriers will not be adjusting those downward much this year. If anything, we hope to see them maintain them. Um, and then as, as current crediting rates as carriers begin to, to stabilize or maybe even go up and, and volatility in the market goes down, we, we may actually end up seeing uh, some of those those rates, uh, those cap rates start to go back up. So, so that's, that's another area that we're very interested in. Uh, another area that we're keeping a close eye on. We think it's important. Anything that impacts policy performance negatively is something that we've always got our finger on and something that we want to keep an eye on. Uh, one of the last trends that, that I want to talk about is for those of you who are considering life insurance, We've seen a pretty big uptick in uh, term life insurance being purchased and, and used this year, which makes sense. Uh, term life insurance is still very inexpensive. Uh, it's very inexpensive way to secure needed death benefit protection, especially for families and business owners who have, let's just call it a temporary need for life insurance. It's a need that doesn't exist that when, when you're 90, it's a need that exists until you get to retirement or sell a company, or an employee retires, or something like that. We're still seeing very, very inexpensive term insurance rates. We've seen reports this year where term insurance, uh, the, the amount of death benefit with term insurance being sold, uh, it, it has been much, much larger uh, compared to prior years. And so I think we're gonna continue to see a trend with uh, individuals and families utilizing term insurance to provide needed debt benefit protection. And to them, I say, you know, great job, do it. I, I've always I've always been one uh, to be an advocate for having the right amount of insurance coverage uh, and, and not just purchasing the amount of coverage that you budgeted for, if that makes sense. So if you have a $2,000 or, or let's say you have a $6,000 uh, annual budget for life insurance, it would be my recommendation to look at, you know, two to five million of term life insurance instead of perhaps five hundred to five hundred thousand to a million dollars of permanent life insurance, especially if the reason for the coverage is to make sure that your family is provided for if something happens to you. So those are those are the big areas that we're seeing uh, certain trends and predictions in this year. Uh, COVID continues to impact some of the carriers. There's a lot of questions out there. Will, will carriers uh, pay my death benefit if I have COVID? The answer is yes. It's, it's really not any different than if you pass away from any other type of disease. And so uh, there are some restrictions with certain carriers on how you can, on, on who will, who's willing to make an offer if you've had COVID or if you've traveled to certain regions. Uh, you know, that's a carrier, carrier, carrier to carrier, carrier to carrier area, excuse me, and a product to product area. So, you know, if you're considering, you know, coverage and you're going online and you're looking for it, that's fine. You may want to work with an advisor to say, okay, well, hey, this carrier, if you've had COVID, they're, they're probably not your best bet right now. But, you know, that carrier that's number two is. Those are some, some things to consider. And so those are our big 2022 life insurance 
predictions and trends. Uh, we hope you found this useful, educational. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at miracleco.com. That's info at M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, stay tuned. We've got another great podcast coming next week. Happy New Year. And thank you for joining us for uh, Life Insurance HQ, the podcast. Have a great day. 